Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, Outtake Episode, Hobby Hotline, uh, last uh, weekend. It's a Saturday show, 10 o'clock Central. I'm on once a month, enjoyed it. I was on with Jason Dean Martin and Jeremy Lee being the moderator and calling on Jason and I to give uh, color commentary to some of the questions that had been raised, things that had happened last week. It's an at least an hour-long show. We start talking about some of the Panini uh, personnel situations, uh, a little bit about PSA, and then uh, Cooperstown. So I'll let you see that unfold. Certainly, you can go listen to the whole episode at, at Hobby Hotline from that uh, episode. But uh, I enjoyed it. Thanks, sponsors. Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugging the Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here it is. I enjoyed it. Hope you will, too. Some industry uh, veterans have moved on from where they were working. Tracy Hack, whose name and face were synonymous with Panini for 10 years has moved on. We don't know where exactly he's gone yet. And Joe White, who's also been with Panini for a while, has moved over to Leaf. That we do know. Why are they leaving? Where is Tracy going? What's going on? Tracy is a terrific guy and he worked for me not once but twice. He left and then he came back and then he left again with a nice long ride at Panini. He's a quality guy. He's going to land in the industry. I think I know where he's going, but I think I'm not supposed to say. He'll reveal that when he wants to reveal it. After all, he's the social media guy. And Joe is a terrific guy. He used to work for me as well. And I think Leaf uh, is a good place for him. Nobody's talking about how with Fanatics coming in, the rising tide raising all the boats, Leaf could be an excellent beneficiary of the Fanatics marketing thrust that they're going to be doing over the next few years. So I'm happy for the guys if they've made good choices. I'm, I'm not happy for Panini because I've got, still got a lot of friends there. And I, I would like Panini to be a strong player in the industry. They are. But it's not good when you lose quality guys. And Ben Eklar, who very tragically passed away three months ago. As Drew says, Tracy helped shape the modern hobby more than most know. A huge blow to Panini. Dr. Beckett, obviously you've also helped shape the modern hobby. Can you speak to this comment that Drew makes? I think it's a wonderful comment. I think it pays tribute to Tracy. But can you explain how you think that Tracy helped to shape the modern hobby more than most know? More than most know, I did not shape Tracy Hackler. <laughs> he came to work for us, and he was already a great guy. But I think we were his first job in the hobby, and he just excelled. And yes, he did a lot of things. His job intentionally was to have visibility for the companies he worked for, including ours, as well as Panini and his, his new landing place. I'm sure he'll do the same thing. He was really good at building community and representing the brand because he's the kind of person when he walks into a room or when you see him on a show, you just like this guy immediately. He's a very likable guy, always smiling. It's a huge blow to Panini. While that's true, think about how elated the company where he's going. That's a big coup to get a guy like that who's so established. His reputation is going to positively impact the, the reputation and status of whatever company he's gone to. I feel like I'm the only one who doesn't well, know where, where he's well, going. Well, here's the thing. Tracy needs to tell his own story. After all, he's the guy that shapes the narrative for these various companies. But it, it isn't necessarily that he left Panini. He may have attracted away by a better offer. My question is, Panini going to replace him with one or two people, <laughs> because I think he's got big shoes to fill. Let me just say, Tracy had a high-stress job for a company that had a, a lot of buzz about it, and he was the focal point of a lot of that stuff. There's got to be somebody like that in every company, and it's a hard job. PSA's magazine, the Sports Market Report, SMR magazine, is going to have a name change in January to uh, 
this simply and, and quite obvious PSA magazine. What do you make of this changing the name of the magazine 25 years into it or so? And what do you think prompts something like this at this time? I think it's a good choice. PSA Magazine is a better title for what they probably want to do. If I were competing with PSA, which I, in some sense, did for many years, I would be nervous. Number one, I'd want to get out ahead of it as a sort of a quasi-competitor. But I'd be nervous that Nat Turner is the not the editor-in-chief, but he's going to be helping to shape where that magazine goes to put uh, the hobby's best foot forward. That Ken Golden might be involved a little bit in in trying to get some things going. That Chris McGill and Josh Johnson might get involved. And so they've very quietly assembled an interesting team of knowledgeable, passionate people. And if they have some editorial contribution or shaping of that, it, it was never a must read for me, but it could be if those kind of guys get involved and really take it seriously. I'm actually looking forward to it because I'm not a competitor. I'm a hobbyist now. Print is not dead, but print is still a component. It's probably not the main component. Once you publish an article, it can be online. It could be in print. If they're going to go heavier into content here, that's really good for everybody. I admit, I don't know Joe Smith. I'm well, not, he, I don't know uh, much Joe about White. him. Joe White. That's why you don't know him. But he's a great guy. He's involved pretty unassuming, but really good at what he does. He's a great fit for Brian. And he's going to bring his talents and his relationships over there. These guys, what kind of hole do they leave there? How easy is it going to be for Panini to sort of fill those holes and pick up where they left off? Nothing against Upper Deck or Tops or Leaf even. But I think Panini, six months ago, had the strongest hobby-oriented team in the industry for really solid hobby knowledge. Again, several of them used to work for me, so I know their pedigree and their hard workers, good integrity, and love the hobby. Just a really strong team there. On the other hand, they've lost three cogs in the last three or four months. And so do they have bench strength? I don't know if it's bench strength, but they have a broad, diverse team to pull together and cover those situations or hire from outside. I don't know. Rex says the Fanatics will undoubtedly be recruiting industry execs from other card companies. That's inevitable. Do you guys fully expect this? Let me just say this. I think Fanatics will be recruiting industry execs. They're either going to buy something or they're going to acquire some people, and they would be execs. Panini doesn't need to recruit industry execs. They need to recruit industry insiders. Not the same thing as executives. Joe White is not an executive. And Tracy Hackler really wasn't an executive. There were boots on the ground, guys that really knew what they were doing. could field any question. You just can't train somebody immediately to do that. You don't bring in somebody from some other packaged goods industry to say, hey, now you're going to be in the trading card industry. And Fanatics, I'm hoping they're going to recruit industry insiders. If they're executives in other industries, surely they're collectors. I don't want to train somebody from outside because this yeah. is different than other industries. It's different, better. People that contact me, they say, hey, I want to get in the industry. They're not looking to come in to be the president of the company. They're coming in to just work in the industry. And I think there's a lot of people that want to do that. And if they bring their skills from whatever they were doing and their passion for collecting, then to me, it's join the team. Fanatics has to form a team, not just getting a president or a vice presidents. It's it's getting people to do the work that really understand the customers. And they have some time to do that, hopefully. David Adams Card World is going to be opening up a store in partnership with Tops in Cooperstown. It's going to be a seasonal store. Their target opening month is April. But there's a couple things to this one for me. Obviously, there is David Adams is the company that Tops 
chose to partner with, and they're going to open up a store in Cooperstown. What does this mean for Tops in light of the impending Fanatics license transfer? And and maybe most exciting is how great is this for everybody who goes to Cooperstown to, to visit the Baseball Hall of Fame? And now you're not just going into a tourism store that sells t-shirts. You're actually going into a baseball card-themed store. I see this as a test run to possible seasonal stores and stadiums and arenas for not only Tops, but other brands of whichever manufacturer has the license going forward. Is this a one-year trial? Are they in it for the long haul or the rest of their MLB license? But I could definitely see some test runs and some stadiums going forward if this goes well. A seasonal store is quite common in Cooperstown because it's a seasonal town. The baseball events and the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. This is not the same as a pop-up store. This is a seasonal store, so it's going to have fixtures and all that stuff. And it's probably going to be the modern kind of store, which is quality over quantity which allows for pop-ups for a traveling store, which we batted around some concepts like that. But for Tops, I'm proud of them. It means they're not crawling under a rock, getting in a shell. They're moving forward, being aggressive. This is a good move for them. They're trying to get their brand out there. Even if they do get acquired by Fanatics, this is another thing where they're showing that they're not sitting around moping. Dave and Adams, or at least Adam now, Dave is retired, but Adam is in that area. So it's not like he's flying in from California. He's already Buffalo area or whatever. It sounds like a good move for both. And uh, for Tops, they need to be making bets like this because their brand is going to endure regardless. Either they're going to be managing it or somebody's going to be acquiring the IP. So I think it's terrific. It increases my chances of going to Cooperstown next year or the year after. It's a big plus for collectors. Yeah. The other stores I went to when I've been up there were tired. Not retired, but they're tired. They're retired guys that are that just have some cards and some fixtures and things. The last time I went, it, it wasn't reflective of the modern hobby as much. It was very nostalgic. And I think Adam can... I didn't realize, Jeremy, he's got 130 employees. That's how I judge the complexity of his business. So I'm, I'm very hopeful this is going to be a very positive thing. And the tops will take it on the road. Topps Vault. They're going to be top stuff in there. It'll be a tribute to the history of Topps baseball cards. Dave and Adams can source all that stuff. It's a billboard for Topps. They should make money on it, too. It could be fabulous. And again, I really believe there'll be 2025 Topps baseball cards of some source or Bowman. Yeah. Could you imagine a world where Topps sold Fanatics the rights to the Topps brand, but not Bowman? They kept Bowman and kept doing all the prospecting, and they gave Flagship and some of these other Tops brands anything that says Tops on it. They decoupled Tops and Bowman from back in 55 or 56. What Fanatics needs to do is get the Bowman brand, not the Tops brand. That's the real value, or at least get rid of the Bowman brand so there's no more pre-rookie cards, so that the actual rookie cards of baseball players are those from their first top set, like, Pretty much every other sport. Fanatics might put out a great product. Nobody knows we shall see. That's another thing. Maybe Fanatics, like Jim said, they need to build a team. They need to recruit people from the foot boots on the ground to the C-suite. And who knows? Maybe they will put out a great product. Of course they will. They're, no, they're for a sure. huge company. They're not going to mess up. Now, the only mess up that we're concerned about is overproduction, over-optimistic projections of demand. They're going to try to increase demand. They need to be careful there. They, they can't double demand overnight just because they're fanatics, I don't think. I 
might feel like just fumbling as I'm speculating in my head what's going to happen. So yeah, Jeremy, yeah. maybe Josh Luber and the other powers that be at Fanatics are doing the same thing. They're just sitting back and listening to the buzz and getting some ideas. They have their strategy, but their tactics will be determined over the next months and couple of years as they hear some of these great ideas that you're unfolding on your podcast and other content uh, providers. So I think that there's a lot of fluidity in the situation. And I think they're being smart to sit back and listen to what the buzz is. Yeah. Yeah. 